Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today I have Ben Eden with me. Ben is a coach and a speaker and he works with people on emotions. If you've ever had the experience of being afraid or ashamed of something and then that thing just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until it's out of control, then you don't want to miss today's episode. Hey Ben, welcome to the show. I'm really glad you can make it. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, awesome. So you know, I really wanted to bring you to the show because I feel that what you are teaching the world is super important. I don't think schools ever teach us about it. A lot of us grow up with this lack of understanding of how they handle emotions. Like speaking for myself personally, I, I learned to just stuff down the emotions and try to not process it. And it wrecks all sorts of havocs later in my life. So I would just love to hear a little bit more about like what motivates you to care about this topic. Absolutely. And you described it quite well, what most people go through. They go through their entire life thinking, oh, we don't talk about emotions or emotions are just part of life and we have to get over them. The problem is most people don't get over them. <laughs> so what I True. learned or where I learned about emotional pain was came from when I was nine or 10 years old, actually. Um, I was actually an HR director a couple months ago. And sorry, I'm, ba- I'm bouncing back and forth a little bit, but I was an HR director until February of this year, 2020, and working with all sorts of people, I saw what I learned to call emotional pain. So as I was leaving that job to become a speaker and a life coach, I said, well, do I have anything specific that has caused me emotional pain? And that's why I remembered this story. So when I was nine or 10 years old, I was in elementary school and we had just finished a game of dodgeball, right? Um, And I was learning that I was good at sports my friends were starting to notice that I was good at sports and I was starting to care that they were noticing that I was good at sports. See how this works? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. As a little boy developing his identity, right? So leaving this dodgeball game, we were going back to class and my friends were laughing hysterically about something. So of course I wanted to be involved and I said, Hey guys, what's so funny? And they turned to me and they said, raise your arms. So I did. And they laughed even harder. I was like, what? So I looked down and I realized that I had extremely sweaty armpits. And you might think, Mm -hmm. well, what's the big deal? You just finished a game of dodgeball. Of course, you're going to be sweaty. But here I was, a nine or 10 year old boy, not really understanding how the body works. And it must have been a whole lot more than anybody else, because otherwise, why would my friends laugh at me? Yeah. So in this moment, I experienced a lot of scary emotions. I felt humiliated, embarrassed, scared, unsure, all sorts of things that a nine or 10 year old boy doesn't really understand. And I couldn't talk to my friends about it because they were the ones laughing at me. I didn't want to talk to my mom about it because I didn't want to relive those emotions. So Mm. what did I do? I just pushed them to the back of my mind and said, I'm never going to experience that ever again. And that became what I have termed as unresolved emotions. So one more thing. People could say, well, wasn't this just a one-time event? You're not 9 or 10 years old anymore, are you? (laughs) I say, absolutely Mm -hmm. not. But it was a very scarring, emotionally scarring event. Again, because the emotions remained unresolved for 20 years. In fact, my mom didn't even know how much this had affected me for these 20 years. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So this is probably like a common experience, right? When we're children, we just don't have the tools. And if we didn't reach out to our parents or if our parents were not 
also very emotionally aware. Um, they don't know how to help us process it either, right? Exactly. So it just kind of becomes unprocessed. And how did it affect you later in life? Because a lot of times this may sound like, you know, not a significant trauma. It's not like you were beaten and sent to the hospital, yet this is how a person interprets an event that creates a trauma. So it's really not actually, you know, the degree of what happened. And really you can't compare that anyways, but it's how it's processed or not processed, how it's internalized, the belief that is formed around it. I'm so glad you stated it that way because that's exactly how I feel about it. Our events may be different, but our feelings are very similar because yes, I had, I had feelings of shame too. When my friends laughed at me and pointed at me and said, ew, that's disgusting or ew, that's my brain, sorry, all of a sudden there's static. Can you hear that? Yes, I'm okay. Yep, it's We're fine. Good then? Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all good. No worries. So when my brain heard this, because of all those emotions, it started to real- think that I am gross or that I am disgusting. So this started to affect my identity. So growing up, I was like, well, I'm just going to try to uh, deal with this and say, okay, it's not such a big deal. So when I would go to parties, dances, events, plays, school, whatever, in a social environment, I would have to hide this part of me because I absolutely didn't want to relive this moment where my friends discovered it and laughed at me. Hmm. And so I know people can't see what I'm doing, but the visual is I look down at my body and I say, oh my goodness, there's something wrong with me to the point that I'm not able to do all that I want to. And that I hope a lot of people can relate with, whether it's a physical thing or something inside of them that they say, yeah, something happened in the past that made me doubt myself, make me think I'm not good enough. Yeah, that's super interesting because how do you do sports, right? If you're worried about sweating too much all the time, I know it's pretty hard to have a social or sports life. No kidding. I mean, I was on the swim team. So when you're in the water, of course, you're gonna be wet. But man, when you're waiting to get in the water, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. So I learned, yeah. I learned to cope in certain ways, and I have since learned that everybody copes in different ways, right? Some people, because they don't understand their emotions, they try to hide them or ignore them or distract themselves from them in ways such as, hey, I'm just going to watch TV all day long. I'm going to play video games all day long. I'm going to eat. I'm going to shop. These things are like, hey, I don't have time for my emotions. Or in the professional environment where I was, I'll just stay so busy at work or so busy during my master's degree that I won't have time to think about it. Problem is, if those don't work, which normally they don't, they escalate into more mind-numbing behaviors like drugs, alcohol, pornography, and they may even go to violence and suicide. So luckily, I didn't get to that point, but how I coped, yes, I entered the world of addictions to try to see if that helped. Absolutely didn't. But another thing I did is I used what I call a shield of success. I said... I want people, when they think of Ben, to think Ben is so good. He's a leader. He's talented. He's great in everything he does. Ben is awesome. And I definitely preferred that over, oh, Ben's the guy who sweats in weird ways, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, I went through that route, too. That, that was my preferred mechanism of flighting is through school and, and work and try to be awesome there. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a way of running away, a way of numbing yourself. And, and the repercussion of that is that the trauma is still not healed. And it's really hard to go on vacation. Like nothing as anxiety inducing as trying to meditate or trying to do nothing like that literally just kills me. Right. Yeah. So the, the key is still to face it. But then how do you do that? I think that's where a lot of the listeners 
get stuck, right? They're like, okay, I know I've been running, I've been running and shopping, I've been running through addictions or, you know, anything, but, you know, how do you heal? They're too afraid to even look at it. That's true. That's a great point. So I'll tell you my experience and then also some things that I've learned. So first of all, I actually worked with a therapist. I did go to the therapist and I said, well, Mm -hmm. maybe this is my emotional pain. Let me see if you can help me with it. So I told him my story. But I was very defensive at first because we got to remember for 20 years, I had hidden this from everybody, at least tried to. Mm-hmm. So when I told him my story, I expected him to react like everybody else had. But after I told him, he's like any good therapist would do. He said, thank you for telling me. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> You're not going to laugh at me? Yeah. Call, call me disgusting or anything? And that was the first moment that my brain realized that, hold on here. Maybe pe- not everybody will react the way I think they will. Then my therapist did something very helpful with me. He had me imagine going back to my nine or 10 year old self right after this event happened at the gym and take myself to a safe place. And I would tell this nine or 10 year old self, you just went through something very difficult and you have every right to feel the way that you do. But I want you to know that it is over, that you are loved and that you're gonna do some amazing things in life. And when I told myself this, I said, baloney, I can't lie. Yeah. To my, I can't lie to myself. I know this isn't true. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my therapist helped me repeat this exercise a number of times until I separated my emotions from my memory. I literally reprogrammed my brain and rewrote my memories so that what used to be a ghost that haunted me is now an ancestor that I can learn from. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And, and I find it really interesting because in the with the people that I work with, they're mostly women, right? And, and there are a few men in a group. And once in a while, I'll get a text like, Oh, do you know why I'm like the only guy here? Um, that's seeking help, like everybody else is, is a lady. And, and I find it very encouraging and inspiring that you decided to seek help. Was there a specific kind of rock bottom moment or something that trigger you to say, okay, this is enough. You know, even though I've been doing this, kind of stuffing it down for 20 years, today is the day I'm going to seek help. Yeah. I was, you know, an executive in HR, traveling the world, had a house, had a car. Life was looking good. And people termed it as mm-hmm. Ben has a picture perfect life. But behind all of that, I was suffering in silence. I didn't love myself. I was into the addictive behavior. And it came to a point where I, it really affected an important relationship of mine. And after that relationship went south and I started to think, oh my goodness, I have to get a hold of myself so I stop hurting others. A lot of us think, well, I'm the only one who's going through this. So I'm the only one, I'm I'm only hurting myself. In reality, it does. I had isolated myself from my family. They didn't really know how to talk to me Hmm. from, from my friends, from my relationships. Um, I was very superficial, keeping people at arm's length. So it really came to this point where that relationship was so affected that I was like, I have to get help. And I don't remember if it was that night or very soon afterwards that I called my parents and I just said, look, I just need your help. Mm, Yeah. That started the process. I could so relate to your story. And I think a lot of listeners can as well, because when we feel very scared on the inside, like we're hiding this big imperfect self that it's just so so much shame in there then we have to build this porcupine shell on the outside right kind of prickly 
because we we act big we act tough we're like barking like a dog like you know the little chihuahuas bark a lot because you're so <laughs> scared mm-hmm. and i definitely lived that world where we're literally pushing people away easily offended kind of looking really tough really confident but it's really hiding a very scared inner child that's in there exactly yeah you but that was beautifully put um, so did it work for you like in that one session where you repeated and then just freed yourself or was that a practice that you had to do on a fairly constant basis to remind yourself? So, yeah, I'm glad you asked that because some people might, and as I was just telling you my experience, I, you know, remi- remembered the feelings that I had and I was kind of like maybe vulnerable and scared, probably relating to the listeners, but you got to understand the principle of what happened with my therapist. If a listener today is thinking, well, shoot, do I need to see a therapist? If you do, go. It's great. If you don't, then, yeah, you can practice a couple things that I'm going to say. So the principles of what I did with my therapist were the following. Three of them. I call it the power method, PWR. P is for pray. Whether you believe in God or not, it's the principle of talking to somebody who can help you heal. So... If you believe in God, that's the master healer. If you talk to a therapist, that's because they're trained to heal you. If you talk to a parent, it's because they love you, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about it removes the splinter, as it were, the metaphorical splinter of the emotional pain or the piece of wood. It removes it from your brain. And now you can see it in such a way that says, okay, now I can heal because your body is designed to heal. So talk, mm-hmm. talking about it in a proper way is very healing, okay? But remember the proper way. Second, W is right. Same principle here. If you write about your thoughts, feelings, and emotions specifically, the same thing happens. You're removing the piece of wood, the metaphorical piece of wood from your brain, and now you can heal because now you say, wait a minute, I do not believe that. I've thought it forever, but that doesn't make any sense because I see it on paper now. Or, oh, I finally was honest with myself and said how I was feeling. But because I experienced that emotion, it no longer bugs me. It's no longer part of me. I'm telling you from experience, this is very life-changing when you do this. And the third R is reach out. This is, again, something I was just doing with my therapist. Because I reached out and was connecting to another human being instead of isolating, then I started to get rid of the shame. Shame can't exist when you're connecting to somebody. Um, And sharing with others, I started to realize that I'm not alone in a lot of things that I go through. I thought I was so such a bad and broken person because of what I've done or what happened to me. But in reality, that's not the case. So that just that principle of power, pray or talk, write and reach out. Well, that's so good because so many of us try to hide in the dark, hoping that nobody will see this unique flaw that we have. And then, you know, when you talk about it, right, I'm sure like, you know, a lot of us are like, oh, that's what is the big deal? You were a kid, you were sweating, you worked out, you know, that's totally normal, but it's whatever our mind fixates on. And we start to weave a really big story and then we start to hide it. We start to push it away. We start to run from it and it grows bigger. Like it becomes a big kind of monster in our mind that nobody else sees, but we see it and Mm -hmm. we are afraid. And then we live the rest of our life trying to cover it up. So the fact that you, you you spoke about you shared with your therapist and she didn't just flip over and die, right? <laughs> she didn't die, right? You're like, oh, wait, really? This is not a big deal to you, right? That's very validating. And the fact that when you put it down on paper and you read it, you're like, what? You know, I'm yeah. embarrassed by sweating when I was doing sports as a child. Like, that's what's terrorizing me all these years into adulthood. Like, do I want this to continue? Most of us would be like, that's ridiculous. But 
when it's just trapped in our mind, instead of on paper, we don't see it. We don't see that we could toss it away, right? right. We, we don't see in Chinese or something called a, a paper tiger. Basically, it's not a real tiger, but if you put it in front of a, a, a window at night, the shadow it casts, it looks like a real tiger is approaching your window. Hmm. So it's basically a figment of your imagination. And I think your kind of journey just p- puts it together beautifully. Mm. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you were to leave one thing, uh, kind of one advice to the listeners that are struggling today with some kind of you know fear that they're you know feeling uniquely damaged, uniquely broken, and, and it kind of stopped them from living a full life, what would you tell them? Okay, I'm going to tell you a phrase, but I'm going to give you a little bit of context for it as well. When whatever the event is happens, emotions exist. And if, mm-hmm. we, if we don't process them, then they become unresolved. And that is why when we go to think about the event again, it's so quote unquote traumatic because it's still scary and painful. But here's the solution to that. When you understand and acknowledge your emotions, then you have power over them. That's not just a cool quote. It actually works. Interesting. Okay. I love that. (laughs) I think that's homework for everybody to remember that the the mind kind of monster is best if you just take a, you know, literally look at it head on, right? Just see what it looks like, see what it feels like in the body and realize that, hey, you know, it's a feeling. It's not going to kill me. Exactly. And then to seek help, talk to a friend, kind of put it to light, talk to a therapist, kind of work through it. So um, I will leave in the show notes, everybody, if you um, are interested in knowing more about the work that Ben does, kind of his speaking engagement, et cetera. Um, just look inside the show notes. And Ben, I want to thank you again for the tremendous wisdom that you're bringing to the group. Uh, working with emotion is something that we all want to do more of. And sometimes we just don't know how. So your tips are amazing. And thank you very much. My pleasure. <laughs>